0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You, as always, you can watch a simulcast stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would um, like to get in, that is the number to call. We are going to have mostly open phone lines. kind of a weird – kind of a weird – Friday because the Cajuns don't play tomorrow. Uh, McNeese doesn't play tomorrow. Uh, we're going to still try to talk a little bit about McNeese, but uh, in the next segment. But just kind of strange. LSU, on the other hand, plays a huge game, and every until the Saints can get to 500, if they ever do, or get a little over 500, then you know every game in an NFL season is important, but. You know, it's 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 pins and needles. Feels very much like last week, man. Gotta win, gotta win, gotta win. And I don't know, maybe some people heard that message a little too well. But anyway, um, it is. It, it's uh, we'll be talking Major League Baseball today because the postseason starts uh, just a little on the strange side. Uh, we games start. In about two hours, like two hours from now, there's going to be a game. Tampa Bay Rays and the Cleveland Guardians and the Rays have the Guardians finished very strong. The Rays seemed like they had not won a game in about a month. They just been getting beat and beat. And they it, it was like they just said, OK, they got the one win against Astros and they clinched the playoff berth. Uh, they were very fortunate Baltimore kind of faltered down the stretch, and they did win any other games. I mean, but they've got McClanahan pitching. You know, they had last year's ace who's out all year, glass now, and, and now he's back. So is he where he was a year ago? Probably not, but can he give them five good innings and they could scratch him, you know, they're – they're not that unlike a lot, you know, the Astros in a lot of games. They they don't often score a bunch of runs, you know. They they probably need to win three to two if they're going to win, and um, they have more postseason experience than than most of these guardian players. So that there's something to that. Uh, so we'll see. So we will talk a little bit of. MLB postseason because the playoffs start today. Astros aren't scheduled to play till Tuesday. And we'll worry about, we'll talk more about them because when we come back on Monday, we'll know who the Astros are playing. Most people think it's going to be the Blue Jays, but that's why they play the game. So we'll see. Um, last night, it was so funny. Well, for me, I don't know if funny's the word, but I guess so. It was, I don't know, sometime in the fourth quarter, and they come back from a commercial break, and Al Michaels and Kurt Herbstreit are talking, and Kurt says, you know, something like, I don't know word for word, but something like, um, you know, I'm starting to think that it's kind of like the entire month of September has just been like preseason football. And Al says it's October. Uh, and I'm like Kurt. I don't. I'll, most of the time, I don't know what day it is. But, um, but it is. I mean, it is. You know, you, you heard Tom Brady say it yesterday or the day before, whenever he said that earlier in one of the press conferences earlier this week that he's seeing a lot of bad football. It's a, It's a lot of preseason level football right now, and it's been like that for a while now. But it seems worse this year. And I I don't know all the reasons for that. I think some of it is it's a copycat league. You hear that all the time. And the reigning Super Bowl champion is the Rams. And the Rams don't believe in doing anything in the postseason. Uh, I mean, that, that doesn't really make sense to me. It's just something. I mean, I don't know. Why it's it seems worse than normal. I do not believe that all these defenses that have looked tremendous are all as good as they've looked. I think I think some of them are okay, and I think they're just happen to play teams that are in preseason mode. I I, I just think there are a lot of it. I last night's and look, I'm okay. I don't need. I mean, some of it is these offenses and these offensive lines are just in disaster mode right now, and they're they're just not, um, you know, they're not ready. They're not they they they're 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 just not ready. Some of it is it's okay to play good defense, like it's okay. Now, you might say, well, that most of what I'm watching is not good defense; it's bad offense. That may be. Um. But there's just no question that the defenses in most of the cases this year are way ahead of the offenses. Not every case. I mean, you know, there's been some crazy games like the that uh, that Dolphins-Raven game. There's been a couple of them. That, that Lions game in, against Seattle last week. There's been a couple of them. There's some teams aren't playing any defense like the Lions. Incredible offense, no defense. And all of that's going to get stabilized somewhat. By the end of the month, you would think. It just seems to be taking longer. It's. There's some bad stuff. Now, as for last night's game, I just. I just can't do what they did. You know, I'm not really. uh, The word deserve can be tricky, but I kind of have the feeling that when you've executed as poorly as the Broncos have on offense all season, then in my mind, you kind of don't deserve to go for it on fourth. Like, what are you doing? Like, now, he probably – he one of the reasons why he might have gone for it is his defense – was on the field a lot of the game. His defense dominated a lot of the game, and his defense looked like it was starting to get tired and, and starting to kind of falter a little more than it was earlier in the year. They have had they had some injuries on defense, like Browning had an unbelievable game, and then he had to leave to get hurt. So I'm wondering if he was trying to protect his defense a little bit, kind of not too confident in his defense, because we're at the end of an overtime period, and they, and a lot had been on the defense's shoulders, but but here's where some hypocrisy comes in. This guy Hackett has been under fire. What was the first time that he was under fire this year by the by the American you know the media and the court of public opinion? It was the first game of the year, first Monday night game of the year. And he attempted a long field goal. And everybody said, what kind of idiot are you? You've got this great quarterback. Put the ball in his hands. You spent all that money on this quarterback. And you took the ball out of his hands with the game on the line. So fast forward to last night's game. What did he do? He put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands with the game on the line from what, the four-yard line or five-yard line or wherever they were, inside the five-yard line with the game on the line. And many of the same people who were blasting him in week one are now blasting him for not kicking the field goal. Now, I understand circumstance changed, but I, I, I wonder if if any of that was like Okay, here we go again. I got supposedly this future Hall of Fame quarterback, and I'm going to put the ball in his hands. Now, I'm on the conservative side. I'm thinking, don't do this. And if you're going to do it, you cannot just sit there in the – I know it's technically a play, but that's – I mean, just standing there in the pocket and hoping someone comes open it's technically a play but when I say you got to run a play that's not what I'm talking about. You got to that that was not a, that was too low risk of a play they hadn't executed in the red zone all year. You got to if you're going to do that then I think you got to just line up and try to run it. Like I or roll him out like I would have been okay. I know Part of the problem with rolling out or bootlegging is that you kind of limit, you cut off half the field in a lot of cases. But if you bootleg, he can maybe run for one yard. You didn't have to score a touchdown. It was fourth and one. So if you're going to go far, you don't have to call a touchdown play. You need to get one yard. Personally, I'd have kicked a field goal. Um, But because your offense just hasn't been executing well enough to trust it. It just hadn't. But I I, I don't think you can line up in the shotgun and just stand there in the middle of the field and just hope someone comes open. Although really what it looked like, he was going to throw the ball to Cortland Sutton no matter what. Yeah that's not a good enough play call that's just not good enough for me you you either got you you gotta run it or you gotta I I I don't think Russell Wilson runs enough now I'm not, you know Russell Wilson's actually short and pudgy is what he is but 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 he can run I mean he's not Lamar Jackson but he can run and and, and I don't think as little as they're executing the passing game on a consistent base, I don't think they're running it enough I don't think he runs it or no. I, I just thought that play call was terrible. I, I just don't understand. You can't go for it if that's your play call. Now, if you have some really creative play that has a chance of catching the defense off guard, essentially like a two point type play, and you and you and you practice it, and you and you and you think it's going to work, I, I I still vote no, but okay. But if but if you're going to go for it. And your play is just stand there and hope someone comes open and throw it to him. I mean, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's just not good enough. And so I I, I don't understand how coaches can do that kind of stuff. Just kick the field goal. I'd rather you, again the game wasn't over. There was still two minutes. You could have you could have got the ball back. You could have got a pick. Matt Ryan threw two horrible picks. So I don't know if his thinking was we gotta. We, here we go again. They blasted me when uh, I didn't put the ball in Russell Wilson's hand with the game on the line. Man, so I guess I'll go ahead and do it. And or, man, my defense looked really tired on that last possession. We got some injuries, and I I don't know. I, we've, we've leaned on the defense enough. It's time for the offense to step up. We've leaned on the defense for almost five quarters here. The offense needs to step up and do its role. Maybe that was part of it as well. But uh, scary. On the flip side of all of it, Michelle gets really mad at me sometimes, but I look at every game through black and gold glasses. It was nice. Must be nice. It was a close, ugly, low-scoring defensive game, and the officials did not take over the game. They allowed the teams to decide the game. Must be nice because the Saints and the Yucks are playing a very similar type game, and all of a sudden, early in the fourth quarter, the officials said, well, we're going to take over this game, and we're going to start making up calls and decide this game for you. That's Twice the Broncos were allowed to play the game. One they won, a close, low-scoring game, and the officials stayed out of it. They didn't start making up calls. Must be nice. We'll take one... Um, We'll go to the game hotline, and then we'll take our first time out. Hello,
2: Kevin. Yes, sir. Man, like, this is a bad situation though, because it's like it's like the coach and the quarter quarterback put each other in harm's way. I, I don't know, man. And look, that's all you heard in the off season. That's all you heard. That's all the team need. The team just need a quarterback. That's all they need. They set off. They off to the races. That's all they need. But I'm like. You look at Denver's team. Denver's not that much of a great team, man. Where's the weapons and stuff? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. The running game is, is is shady. The play calling is shady. The receiving core and your ball, Jerry Judy is shady.
1: And well, Jerry this. Judy I mean, is, I don't know, man. is is I don't iffy. Know. It's
2: crazy. And, and and the thing what gets me, I don't understand. Yeah, I know it was gonna be this all year. I knew it from the day when it happened. I knew it from day one i, I told told to my girlfriend you know because she kind of like you know like football too and I told her it's it, it's not gonna be a a good situation because every time they lose or every time he has a bad game the first thing gonna come up how much money you make it what difference that has to what that has to do with anything I don't understand that every hear the idiots on TV this morning Ryan Clark and all these people I'm like Dude, why y'all keep bringing up the money they they what they gave up for him, and you got to do this and that? Well, it's not it's not so much. That ain't got nothing to do with it. Well,
1: I think I think the reason why I think what Bronco fans are worried about is if this cat is really that close to being on the really downside of his career, which it's still preseason most, so it's too early to say that. But I understand the concerns. Is the commitment that you made for to him? Over yeah, the line. but they've
2: been saying that for two years, though, and he's bounced back every time. I mean, look, like I said, man, like you always preach and everything, you got to understand that too. It's a team game, you know. And like I said, that's all I heard, they need a quarterback. That's all they need. They need a quarterback. That's all they need. But I can't tell, you know, because like I said, this team is not all that. I know what Bronco fans have been looking at, but this team is not all that. You know, it's, it's like there was just one player away, and they're off to the races to the Super Bowl. That's not how this business works. People, they they ain't learned that yet. They're well, they're they, the I, I don't that's know about Super
1: Bowl. That they, they're just hoping to have a winning season for right now. I mean, they, yeah, ju- they that, just they just want to have. So it
2: doesn't mean you can uh, have a winning season because you're calling back, and make fifty million dollars a year. That don't mean anything. And they keep bringing that up like that's a factor. It don't matter if you're making fifty thousand dollars a year if you if the team is not right. They're not right. If the team is right, they're right. So what the money has to do with it. They keep brought about these cats, money, what they're making. They ain't got nothing to do with anything. Either you can't play or you can play. Yeah, but Either it, the team is good or the team ain't it, good.
1: It, it, it's, it, if you pay your quarterback that much and he can't deliver at a top level over a conservative, it, well, it's, it's going to kill well, your franchise.
2: Well, if you pay your quarterback that much – well, you better make sure your quarterback got people to throw the ball to, and you got make sure your quarterback got some protection. That's what you need to do. It, so that's not the exactly. Fault.
1: But at some it's point, that, that becomes a things. self. At some point, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, the problem here is that Jerry Judy was is overrated football player, and yes. and, and Patrick is out for the year. You lost him for the season, and and now you lost He's your best running end. back for the season. So
2: No it- tight end, you got just um, Sutton, I mean, he's not all in the bag of chips, I mean, come on, I mean, it's like, it's like you know, it's like, because you get paid a lot of money, you're supposed to work miracles. That's how people talk well, like that. I, I, I think I
1: think it's possible that he's been the problem and the coach has been the problem, but we'll, they were definitely the problem last night. They win the game last night. Russell Wilson blew the game, period. I yeah, mean, he it, did. He did. He blew he did, the game. He got to help he, each he, other though. It's got He's got he's you got to so be smarter you know? than, than they've done. All right, I got to take a break. Thanks for the Later call. Foot. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and -and start-and-go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints also known as Alvin Kamara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. want to remind you about the 13th gate. If you would like to take part in one of Win free tickets to one of the top haunted house attractions in the country to 13th Gate. Simply text Gate, G A T E, to 337 283 8100. Text Gate to 283 8100. And you might win tickets to the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us. Once again, the voice of the McNeese Cowboys, Tom Hafer. Are you hanging in there, sir?
3: Yes, we are. Everything is good over here. How are you?
1: Well, it's um, you know I'm a Saints fan, so I still haven't gotten over Sunday's um, loss. <laughs> Me too. And um, so it, you know that 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 was that's a little tricky. And you know the Cajun fans around here just lost another close one, and so they're owing two, so they're kind of licking some wounds and. You know McNeese lost last week to Incarnate Word, and and so they're looking. There's some, a lot of licking wounds, and in, and in, in, uh, LSU fans are in good shape, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> the rest of us are kind of dealing with some uh, frustrating losses here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm with you, and as a Saints fan and as a McNeese Cowboys fan, it's been a tough fall so far.
1: So you know when you have things that are all, I, I guess the only. When you have some, you know, things that happen off the field that kind of can distract a team. The fact that it's in an off week, I guess, is the is, if it's gonna happen, that's a good time to be able to deal with it and maybe limit the distractions.
3: I would hope so. That's uh, that's an optimistic take on it. Yeah, if, if the folks aren't aware, there were three members of the, of the Cowboys, all three defensive backs, who had played. Some one was a starter. The others were guys who, who would play pretty much every game, but not, not start um, for a burglary charge. They were, they were kicked off the team and, uh, you know, you don't want to go too much into football on it, but that's a position quite frankly, that the Cowboys had already lost a couple of quarterbacks to, to season ending uh, knee injuries. So they've been there. Uh, this is the position, you know, defensive backs the position where they lost all the guys to transfers. You know, those guys go to LSU and to Marshall and places like that to, continue their careers and they were they were good players. So that was that was kind of a you know, we didn't know if there would be uh, a competitive position there or not in the South but they've been pretty good. They've made some mistakes early on but they, they were actually not, not playing badly. But now you're just so thin at that position, having lost three more after two left You know, with injuries before, uh, that 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 becomes a a concern, and there are some teams uh, in the upcoming schedule that really like to throw the football. So we'll see how that all works out, football-wise. As far as the emotions and the distraction and all that, gosh, you just don't know how a team's gonna gonna respond to that. Um, Hopefully, since it was an immediate dismissal, you know that gets everybody's attention, and they realize that the culture needs to be uh, one of uh, of upstanding citizens and. And uh, that's the way it's going to be going forward. Hopefully, that takes that message it takes hold and, and everybody knows exactly where they stand in that.
1: Obviously, that's a huge curveball in trying to anal- analyze the football side of it. but not not so much the score, but the but did the, the matchup in the Incarnate Word game go about like you thought, a little better, a little worse?
3: Uh, it went fine for about you know a couple of quarters and think these got off to a slow start which which has plagued them against incarnate word the last couple of years when they we we've, we've not had success and they've been a very good program the last couple of years but uh, you know fell down behind 14 to nothing and they kind of clawed back a little bit uh, you know got back somewhat in the ball game where you know you felt like you could do some things and then towards the end uh, incarnate word uh, they they quite frankly ran up the score uh, but the touchdown passes by their, you know, by their starters with a couple minutes to go, and then one with I think 30 seconds to go in the ball game. They had their their guys in there trying to right. trying to build some stats and and maybe maybe get some notice from the pollsters, et cetera, With the scores, but um, that's kind of their M.O. No, no doubt. We we sure didn't like it uh, as as fans and as uh, as maybe supporters. Uh, apparently they they had done that earlier the season against Southern Illinois in a, a win as well. So uh, that's those kind of things that hey you got to try and stop them. Uh, I think McNeese was tired out and mentally kind of drained at that point and really not giving their best effort. But uh, you hate to see somebody pour it on like that in, in, the, in the late minutes of a ball game. It was going to be a two touchdown victory regardless, uh, and then then they threw the 2 late score. Right. Uh, Lindsey Scott, you know, getting he ended up with seven total touchdowns in the ball game, uh, three rushing and four throwing because of that, um, and, and it's just some stat padding, uh, right? In, in my estimation, didn't like it much, but hey, what are you going to do?
1: All right, again, this is uh, we're speaking with McNeese play-by-play man Tom Hafer. So you know, I'm, you, you you get a week off and then you play Texas A&M Commerce, and they're two and two and. I don't know, you know, really how good they are. But I'm looking at the rest of your schedule. You don't want to go through a year like this, but it seemed like in the big picture it might be a, not such a bad year to go through this because it's not just McNeese. I mean, obviously, in Cornet talented, and, and a lot of people picked him to win the league, and, and they're obviously pretty good. But a lot of these other teams in the in in the league are very much in transition as well. I mean, Nichols has been real good. They're zero five. Lamar's zero five. Southeastern uh, in a little bit of a transition, and they've done a good job of winning three games. But it doesn't look like McNeese is anywhere near the only team in a transition season this year in the in the South. No,
3: I think uh, I think everybody returning in the conference except Northwestern State had a new quarterback. Uh, which is significant. And one of them, who, who is Lindsey Scott, moved from Nichols over to Incarnate Word. Uh, that's the only one that really has worked, really is, as uh, you know, somebody coming in and, and taking over and really playing well. Everybody else seems to be scuffling just a bit. Uh, Nichols is a real surprise to me, and we play them in two weeks. Um, they have, have had such a good offensive line for the last four or five years, you would think that they just, just keep marching on, and, they, and they've run the ball so well. Uh, but but they're struggling, and, and I, I don't really know the reason why. Aiden Commerce is the the next team up for McNeese, brand new in the conference, transitioning from division two into uh, into the FCS level. They've been a good d two school, and I think they'll be one really, quite honestly, one of the tougher matchups for the Cowboys through the rest of the schedule. it's It's definitely an easier schedule from this point forward. We just don't know how good we are yet, and and how we'll compete. I think we'll compete better over the next uh, the next six weeks. You know,
1: how much of it do you think is is you know the whole pandemic year and the year after, and a bunch of you know a lot of teams around the country had a lot of extra seniors play that extra year, and so they had seniors hang around a little more. And then there's obviously a lot of you know players leaving and going in the transfer portal. So is this kind of like the year after the impact of, from the pandemic season? I mean, is that what's going on here roster-wise?
3: Yeah, I think in the conference it is. Uh, with the Cowboys, it's it's also the coaching staff changes and the hurricane. Uh, that, that had a huge impact, um, uh, you know, on the roster here. But, yeah, everybody had – Everybody had a fifth or sixth-year quarterback last year uh, due to the pandemic, uh, you know, getting the extra year from from that. Uh, so there were a lot of people that were sticking around, and uh, and now uh, they're having to find new new players at the quarterback position, and uh, it, it hasn't gone all that smoothly except for Incarnate Word.
1: So, in terms of what the offense did, you mentioned it was essentially a thirty-four twenty game in, in, until late. Yeah. So. Was there? Were there any positive signs on offense that you saw?
3: Yeah, the running game continues to be quite respectable. And, you know, we were without D'Angelo uh, Durham and, and probably will be for a while yet. We don't know exactly what his status is going to be. Uh, but, but Deontay McMahon looked good, and the two guys that really hadn't played very much, McElroy and uh, Parker, um, they were just fine. And so uh, the, the line it's funny the line continues to block well in in the running game and struggle um against the pass rush so there's there's signs that the offensive line could do some things but uh but it's it's been mostly in the running game uh, so that's I, I also think they they open things up for Knox Kate in the quarterback um we haven't seen him run the ball at all up until the, the, the incarnate board game and they had some some zone read options where he kept and uh, a couple of other times he just tucked it and ran, which he hadn't done at all uh, up, up until this point. And, and honestly, he's not a great runner, but you got to be able to get three or four yards on third down and, and three or four. Uh, if if the receivers are covered, you can't just hold the ball away to get sacked. you got to take off and pick up some first downs uh, on on those third downs. And he did that. That was a positive, I think. That just sort of opened it up a bit for Knox, and uh, and that's good and a positive moving forward.
1: You know, it, when you get a new head coach, you just never know what's about to happen. And obviously he, he's probably not having – Coach Goff is not having a lot of fun. But, again, I know I asked you this before – You know, some coaches are probably a little more equipped to handle these and kind of shine in in these situations and make statements and and set the stage for the future through these rough spots. How do you feel like that part is going so far?
3: All of the stuff about the culture and the rebuild, he's doing it right. He really is. Now, we're a little disappointed that we're 1-4, and and, and maybe the the talent isn't quite as good as we thought it was going to be. Uh, you just don't know, especially when you've got so many transfers, et cetera. Um, so, so from from that standpoint of, of did he bring in great players? Um, you know, maybe not in this past off season. But the, the other part of it is just the building the culture and keeping the guys uh, on an even keel and knowing that this is a process. I think he's done a terrific job. And hopefully that, that, that means better things down the road. And it means that when he recruits, you know, he's, I'm sure he's out recruiting this weekend because we're off. Uh, that 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 part of uh you know recruiting uh is getting some better better talent in as well.
1: So have you used this bye week in football to uh get it all familiar with this other sport that's about to start basketball or you, not, not not quite yet.
3: <laughs> well just barely. You know, we they, they did have the kind of the opening press conference last week and and get everybody uh kind of engaged in that for, for both women and men's basketball and uh, we think the women are going to be really good and we still think there's there's probably some growing to do uh, amongst the men's team. We'll, we'll see. We we like both the coaches and, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll go from there and see how things go.
1: All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate you talking to us as always. Y'all hang in there and um, have a safe weekend.
3: Uh, thank you, Kevin. We appreciate it. Take care. All
1: right. Take care. No, look, it's tough. I, I get the whole transition thing and um, I do think if this was, you know, if Nichols was as good as they have been, Southeastern looks like they're doing pretty well, but if they were as good in addition to corner at word, it could be pretty tough. But it looks like they competed well enough, McNeese did, to where maybe with some of these other teams a little bit on a down year that they could, um, you know, have a chance to win. I mean, I don't think anybody's thinking they're going to win a conference championship or anything this year. It's just, you know, no one wants to go you know, win one game or just two games in an entire season. So we'll see how that pans out moving forward. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back. Get back to the NFL, heading into an NFL weekend. Uh, If you have any thoughts on LSU's matchup, we talked to Koki on Wednesday, and I didn't leave that conversation Real convicted, man, I really think LSU's going to win or I really think Tennessee's going to win. I'm kind of kind of in between, so I'd like to hear those of you who have probably spent a little more time handicapping that game, what you think of that game. Certainly any thoughts on the start of the Major League Baseball play, postseason. We're, we're going to discuss that and some overall NFL thoughts as well. Do want to also mention in the 10 o'clock hour, a little more high school football. We did a lot of high school football on Wednesday. And I want to touch on a few more things with high school football before we get out of here and head into the weekend as well. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot, on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time for you to uh, enjoy. A lot went on last weekend Got some more coming up, things to do in the Acadiana area. If you're frustrated with football, one of the things you could do on Sunday, October the 16th, is the Festival Acadiana Creole. Race through Lafayette's historic district and end up at Girard Park for the Festival Acadiana and Creole on Sunday, October the 16th. Compete in a 5K or a 10K or a run paddle run in the duathlon. Taking part in the event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival that you love. Volunteer or register at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. All right. The first NFL game of the weekend has been played, and, you know, people are, you know, last night Al and Kurt were just bashing the, the game and, I get it, and there are people saying, all, you know, just on Facebook all over the country, how awful it was," and blah blah blah. Remember that that that, that Colts team beat the Chiefs. Just re- remember that, but uh, you know, Denver is a defense; their defense is way ahead of, of its offense. The Colts' the defense is ahead of its offense, especially with Taylor out. Um, Matt Ryan does not look good at all. I, you know, again, it's a, it's a new quarterback and a new offense, and they've got some offensive line issues. Man, it's also nice. Man, it must be nice, like for the defense, to where the other they call like four or five holding penalties in one game on the opposing team. Must be nice. That is, that was nice. Of course, when you when they give you all that and. All you got to do is go on a knee and kick a field goal when you win the game. You got to be smart enough to go on a knee and kick the field goal and win the game. You got to be smart enough to do that. And I still can't believe what Russell Wilson did last night. That was, that was terrible. That was terrible. All right. So as far as the rest of the NFL schedule, I don't think there are a lot of great matchups. But there, are, I would not say overall it's a, it's a big week in the NFL in terms of matchups. You know, there are a lot of blah matchups, truthfully. But I don't know if there's one. I mean, is there – I don't know that there's one matchup we say, man, that's a that looks like it's going to be a great game. I don't – there's not one. But the one matchup, there's some interesting matchups. and And, again, it's all about where you are in the season. The Cowboys – have been one of the teams playing really good defense against a bunch of offenses in preseason mode. Well, even though the Rams are a um, defending world champion, the Rams' offense kind of still kind of is in preseason mode. Still, they got serious offensive line issues with the Rams, and so it's going to be interesting to see: Are the Rams going to rebound? On paper, from what we've seen with our eyes, how in the world are the Rams gonna block the Cowboys? With all the blitzing the Cowboys do, how in the world are the Rams gonna block them? I don't know the answer to that question. I know this. The cheaters own the Rams. So I, I I think that's a I it's hard to to not to unsee what you saw if you watched that game Monday night. But understand, one, that's a division game, and this one is not. And two, the Cheaters own the Rams. And so I don't know that the Cowboys own the Rams like that. And so it's, and it's a not a division game. So it's a little bit of a different. But still, the Cowboys can really get after the quarterback, put relentless pressure on you. And I, I don't know that the Rams have an answer. And so th- that's an interesting game. I think another game that could end up being the most interesting game of this weekend is the Eagles at the Cardinals. The Cardinals haven't been very good, but that's a fur piece from Philly to Arizona. And it just seems like uh, the Eagles are due to, you know, have kind of a human game instead of just crushing all these little teams. That That's one that I'm kind of, we'll see. And and I think the game that should be the best game of the week is the Sunday night game, the Bengals at the Ravens. And the Bengals have been eh, and the Ravens have had some really bad defensive games. Although they held the, you know, they held the Bills to a pretty low score for for what the Bills have been doing. So. I think that has the chance of being the best game. And so we'll see. And as a Saints fan, should really be watching. Remember, the Saints played the Bengals in a couple weeks. So it is. I think that has a chance to be the best game, the Sunday night game, and we'll see what happens uh, with the Ravens' defense in that one. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
4: Good morning, Kevin.
1: Oh, man, it's a rough one. How are you?
4: Oh, Kevin, I'm great, man. You, you. Let me just tell you quickly why I'm so great. I'm not working, and it's my 60th birthday weekend, Kevin. So, wow. I am. uh, I took the day off. I'm going to Baton Rouge. I got a little place right there on the lake, walking distance, and I'm going to Tiger Stadium tomorrow morning for the first time in 12 years. Wow, wow. Listen, I used to have season tickets. You know, I. I coach on Friday, get up on Saturday, go to work and watch film, and then about one or two o'clock, shoot shoot the Tigers' day, and come back at one o'clock in the morning, go back to football the next day. I mean, listen, yeah, I used to kill myself trying to get in there and see it. And then I realized, you know, once all this every game on TV started, I started thinking, it's number one, it's ridiculous. Number two, the games last four hours. Yes. I could be at home. I could take a nap at halftime. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, just No, I, I get it. Re- I get it. So you know, tell me about
1: this gonna... matchup because I'm not I'm not real. Okay.
4: that's what I'm calling about. Let me tell you. It's a very difficult call because you know, people say, you know now a few people say, Oh man, Fancy hasn't played the defense like the other shoes. And, you know, it's sure she's probably the best defense they played. However no, she hasn't played an offense like Tennessee. You know and I Listen, people say, "Oh, Mississippi State's a good offense," but Mississippi State does have a you know some uh, a good you know aspects of the offense. But Tennessee poses a challenge with that quarterback and their the way they spread the field and they man they're lateral. They they throw the ball a lot of lateral stuff, and you got to run and tackle. And then you know. Once that starts, if you, if you have any success, they, they can hit you vertically. So, And the quarterback is a super, super athlete. So, man, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I think Elshie's going to slow him down some. And now, Kevin, here's an unbelievable stat. Zero turnovers, basically. Tennessee has zero turnovers for the season so far. I've not turned the ball over. Wow, I mean that's that that's equates to winning a lot of games. So Definitely, probably almost have to have a turnover or two for the Tigers' defense, and uh, the offense is going to really have to gel, in my opinion, much more. You know, I think they've been running the ball decently, and but they're going to have to. Tennessee's pass defense is uh, 127th in the country, very bad, but. You know, sometimes all that stuff is because you know it can't run on. Yeah, I, I don't know all the details of that. I just know that the pass defense is supposedly horrible. Uh, I haven't watched them enough. I watched them some against Florida and some against uh, – uh, Well, against, we, you know, so, LSU's
1: passing game has to prove it can take advantage of it. And, right, and, and that's right. been an that, iffy that's, proposition. That's,
4: that's, can they? Yeah. You know, that's the bottom line. Can they take advantage of it? I mean, so far – I don't know, uh, you know, play calling uh, hasn't, I don't think it's been great. Uh, the quarterback recognition hasn't been great. You know, not throwing the ball short enough, not taking what's there. And, you know, it's just a, hey, listen, once again, I'm on the, I'm on the, do you know we didn't have a team last year when the season ended? We didn't have a team. Right. So we didn't play the bowl game with 39 guys. No, so, you. Uh, you know,
1: uh, that's whatever fair.
4: Whatever we get. The fact that we're talking about this and think they can compete and whatever we're getting, I'm I'm really pleased. And I'm, you know, I think Kelly was definitely the answer, still is the answer, and will definitely pan out to be the answer. So, Kevin, listen, I hope you have and early, man. uh, All right. Cheering Uh, on the Tigers.
1: I appreciate it. I'm out of time for this segment. I appreciate it, Manny. You have a, a great weekend and happy birthday. All right. Thanks, Kevin. All right. We'll be back. Finish out the first hour on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Uh, I think Manny might have might have made my predictions even tougher. I was kind of starting to lean towards LSU, and he, you know he gave me. A couple of things is is as good as LSU played defensively against Mississippi State. Are they going to be able to do that against the way that Tennessee plays? the 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 thing that I'm thinking is that it's a it's a day game. LSU's been looking, been wearing teams out, and being and have very much the advantage in the fourth quarter. And I'm I'm thinking they're going to be able to do that again. But if they're, you know, if if defending Tennessee's passing game gonna, if it's gonna wear them out a little more than a lot of other passing games, maybe that some of that gets neutralized a little more. So I think I'm even more torn on on where to settle on that now than I was before. But you know, that's what makes the game interesting. It's it's boring if you think you know one team's gonna win fifty to nothing. I don't think that's gonna happen here. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Yeah. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. Seven zero six zero one 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 on this Friday, and we are looking at um, a big, a pretty big weekend. Obviously, Saints Seahawks very important game for the Saints. When you're one and three, you need a win desperately. Desperately, you need a win. So huge game, kind of season on the line, kind of game. I think as a you know, hopefully the Saints have that kind of urgency because one and four, it's not impossible, but it's really tough to come back from. So hopefully, um, they play with urgency. LSU in a huge game with Tennessee. We talked about that a little bit at the end of the last hour. High school football. I said I wanted to mention a little bit about high school football and. I don't think it's a huge weekend. Obviously, the mega game, Turlings at Westgate, the district is opening the District 4-4A district with, you know, so many high-profile programs and teams with, you know, Turlings is 5-0. and Westgate is 5-0. and Westgate is the defending 4A state champs. And so that'll be an interesting game. And I have not seen Westgate play. I have seen Turlings play. Um... You know, Turlings has thrown the ball really well. Westgate obviously has the athletic ability on defense to run with anybody that Turlings has, even Cantrell Prejean. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Westgate put together some sort of defense to kind of try to take control away from uh, Turlings' passing game. Turlings does have other receivers, and we'll see how that plays out. I think um, Turlings has not run the ball all that effectively. They've got some new starters in the offensive line, but it's they've played half a season now. And so I don't know that they're going to be able to run the ball any better against Westgate because that's not really that easy to do. But we'll see how that goes. On the flip side, my biggest questions in this matchup is Westgate's offense. Now, Westgate obviously has... You know, incredible athleticism. No one's doubting that. But you still got an inexperienced young quarterback. And I don't think they faced anything that that Turlings is going to do just yet. And when I say, you know, Turlings is not all that big on defense. Uh, but they're pretty fast. And they do a lot of different things. And so, that, to me, that's going to be the most interesting aspect of this defense of this matchup is can Turling's defense keep Westgate from or force Westgate into some mistakes now if Westgate can line up and run the ball right down Turling's throat i think that that is what Westgate needs to do if they if they can do that 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 would be what you know that that's where i could see that happening Turling's Again, they're not huge. Some teams have had some success running right at them, and so if if Westgate can do that, I, I I could see it. But um, I I I don't I'd be surprised if there's not a lot that these two offenses both have some issues. Goes through stretches where I, I don't I don't expect this to be the prettiest game, is what I'm telling you. I, I if it is a really clean. Pretty game, I'd be surprised. I I think this is gonna be not the prettiest game. Of course, pretty means nothing. You just want to win. I get that. But I I don't that's kind of what I'm ex- expecting in that matchup. Karen Crow will play Lafayette High at LCA tonight. I think that's it, and obviously you can hear that game right here uh, on Z1059. Uh, I think that's an interesting game because you know, Karen Crow do I don't know that we really totally know what Karen Crow's gonna be long term yet. They're still a you know, you know, again, Karen Crow's good. No, no question they're good. But but how good? And um uh, both teams are four and one. Um, you know, it's it's a big game. PowerPoint wise, you beat a four and one team. That that's that's good for PowerPoints. And, you know, Lafayette High, everybody knows their weakness. They cannot defend the pass. At times, Karen Crow has thrown it well. Karen Crow's got a, a young, kind of like Acadiana. They've got a young receiver who can who is a really good athlete. And so And they got the same last name, Babino. And 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 so it's um, you know, can Karen Crow fully take advantage of Lafayette's weakness? That's the, you know, that that's kind of the question in this matchup. Also, another thing about this matchup is Lafayette beat Karen Crow last year. That was a little bit of a surprise. It was an early season game. I'm trying to remember why, but they played in Brobridge and it was um some people were surprised by that. So, a little bit of a revenge factor in that game. So, that'll be an interesting game to follow and see how, how it plays out. You got Cecilia and Brobridge, you know, the old cliche throw the records out. Uh, Brobridge is coming off a 38 nothing defeat at the hand of Turlings, which is, you know, Brobridge lost to a couple of really good teams. Uh, Cecilia is coming off an incredible road victory over Notre Dame. So, we'll see, you know, uh, Cecilia is playing without a starting quarterback. And we talked about that earlier this week. And so it'll be interesting to see if the rivalry kind of trumps what, um, (laughs) what on paper looks like would be a Cecilia win. But again, anytime you're playing without your starting quarterback and you're neutralizing what you, your your best receiver somewhat because he's having to play quarterback and that that adds some certain question marks. And at times bro bridges played pretty good defense. So that, that, um, that that you know that's a matchup to kind of keep an eye on an, an underrated game this weekend uh tonight I should say for the Cadiana area is Abbeville off to a 4 and 1 start is really stepping it up i mean they're hosting St. Charles um St. Charles is 3 and 2 but they've obviously you know they're the defending 3 division 3 state champion and they've played some really good teams so I saw St. Charles play at Turlings and that was a real physical kind of sloppy but a, you know they they know how to play defense. This is the team that beat LCA in the state finals last year. They know how to play defense. So I don't the, I'm anxious to see what Abbeville's going to do in this matchup. I mean, this is a extra physical team and we'll see how Abbeville. I really don't know. I, I don't have a good read on uh, what Abbeville's gonna be able to do offensively in this matchup. And so it'll be a it'll be a very interesting test there to see what they can do. By the way, the only game that was played last night in the Acadian era, Vermillion Catholic, beat Covenant Christian. It's one of them blowout games. I think it was 57 to 6, but it was it was 50-something points to like hardly no points. So I mean not unexpected at all. So VC is off to a six And old start, and you know, VC is going to host Generette, and they're going to be heavily favored to win that game. VC is looking at a ten and zero regular season now. That doesn't mean you're going to doesn't mean you're going to win in the playoffs and go to the state finals. We we we've seen all that before, but uh, they're 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 having a fabulous season. We got a chance to catch up with Coach Prejean what about three weeks ago I think it was, and so no, they're they're doing they're doing outstanding. So uh another game of interest to me is Ascension Episcopal at Catholic High, just because both teams got off the poor starts. Both teams are coming off their first wins of the year. They're both one and four. I don't know that the, you know, that that there's a lot separating these two teams. And obviously there's some uh I guess common ground, coach. Uh, Matt Desarmo was the coach last year, and then he's now an assistant principal at Catholic. And you know, two teams that are kind of thinking that the second half could be a whole lot better than the first half. And so we'll see which one gets off on that second half uh, on, on on a good start. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know about that one as well. We will see. Obviously, St. Thomas More opens district play tonight as well at home against North for me a uh, you know, a team that's three and two, uh, team that could easily be four and one, but they're not. And, um, you know, most people are thinking St. Thomas Moore's heavy favors. And of course you can hear that game right here on the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette. Acadiana is going to Sam Houston, Moss bluff. And normally when Acadiana plays Sam Houston, it's not real close. And so, Sam Houston does have a win over Barb this year, and it looks like they've improved. But um I think most people would consider that game to, you know, be one of these <clears throat> not I mean we don't really have spreads for games, but I would think unless the spreads really high, Acadiana would have a good chance. And of course you can hear that Acadiana game, right? Uh, on our family of station, me TV FM ninety seven seven FM or thirteen thirty AM. And of course on all these games you want to go. To the free mobile app. Southside is playing Como. You can hear Southside on Mustang 107-1 tonight. And again, team that would be heavily favored. Como offensively is not as bad as their 0-5 record shows. They, they've got some. They've they've had some running backs run for over 100 yards. They've had some receivers catch for over 100 yards. They've come up with a lot of big plays on offense this year. I've seen them play twice. It's on the defensive side that they're really, really struggle, and um, I don't know. Uh, it would be obviously a mega, mega, mm-hmm. mega upset if if Como would be South Side. South Side just needs to kind of pay attention in that game and can, and not turn it over early on. South Side was turning it over, and that was giving them some trouble. And since they've stopped turning it over and leaned on their defense, it, it they've had great success. They're four and one. Uh, with that loss in the opener to Notre Dame. And and um, Southside is, you know, having a really nice season. So you can also hear the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette and St. Landry Parish Game of the Week. News Talk 98.5. And that's going to be Opelousas at Westminster. So... Got a lot of, um, just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a rundown if you have any thoughts on any of these high school teams. Again, we're starting the second half of the season. So the games, you know, more teams are in the the district now, and the games are going to start carrying a little more weight, and we're going to start getting a better idea. So anybody who wants to, you know, discuss any of those games or, or teams, certainly feel free to call in there. So it's next week is the last we only had one game last night we only think we only had one game the week before on thursday what much this next week man a lot of games on thursday night including turlings at lca so it's um i don't quite know why that is but According to the schedule that we have, you know, you got Westgate at Northamian, Turnings at LCA, Karen Crow at Como, Erath at Kaplan, North Central at Westminster. A heavy Thursday schedule. And the Friday <clears throat> schedule, by the way, next week, is going to be highlighted for sure by John Curtis coming to Acadian. And, you know, this, the whole Veer aspect of it and the you know, John Curtis is not quite the dominant program that they used to be, but still very good football program, and Acadiana is as well. So that 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 that's a fun matchup. They played on a Sunday afternoon a few years ago, it seemed like. And in the pandemic year, it was a game they just kind of added, and now they're playing. Uh, going to be playing at Bill Dotson Stadium. So that should be a fun game, just to kind of give you a little bit of a teaser of some games coming up next week. Heavy Thursday schedule next week, and uh, that that's a peach of a matchup. John Curtis at Acadiana. All right, that'll do it for a little, uh, little getting a set for a high school football Friday night around here. And we will come back after this timeout. Shift gears to Major League Baseball with the start of the postseason. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foote would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the
0: ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. want to tell you about, man, I could take one of these right now. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back uh, where you can have a contest for the best sweet dough pie where the public has the judge. Of course, there will be all kind of variety of pies Available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October the 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 331-6352. That's 331-6352. Or visit the town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. All right. right, let's Let us go to the game hotline hello good morning good morning sir
5: you know kevin i always thought my whole life that october was the best month for uh, sports you know football season's really kicking in and you just, then you have the best thing they got uh, the playoffs and baseball.
1: it is uh great drama and again it's just it's just like the the th- you gotta be a, you gotta be emotionally ready for it if you're a big baseball fan because the playoffs it's like every pitch could decide your future. It's just it's so much pressure.
5: Oh, it's a different animal altogether. Yes, I, I guarantee you. When it comes down to playoffs, all these managers they earn their faith <laughs> because you, everybody is contingent on every decision they make. If you make a wrong one, and my boy Robert's has, you're gonna get crucified.
1: No, it, it 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 it's true, and um, I got to tell you, on paper, the National League looks looks so much tougher than the American League. But you know, you, you know how it is. It you know, someone yesterday in a text group was saying, "Oh, I know for sure we're going to win." I said, "There is no such thing as for sure in the game of baseball." No, no, there never is, Kevin. And you
5: know, one thing I was I was happy with the Braves past the Mets. Because uh, I, I I still consider my toughest uh, challenge in the, the the national league is going to be between the Cardinals and the uh, the Braves, and one of them is going to knock each other out. So you know, uh, in that sense, I like my draw better. How about you? You consider your draw uh, the way you like to tell
1: them? No, I, I I I could be fooling myself, but it's just something I just don't. I'm not comfortable if the Blue Jays win. I, I just. I don't know. I I just don't like facing them.
5: Who's the Was top pitchers Uh Manoa,
1: Bobby Ray, Manoa, Ray, Rays Manoa. in Seattle? But no, uh, Alex Manoa is their is their ace. And Goslin
5: number two?
1: Yeah. Who's
5: number three?
1: Um, it's not the guy from Stripling. I think from A and M. I don't know. I don't know for sure that that's how how they're doing it. But I, I think it's him.
5: Well. <clears throat> How y'all did against Toronto
1: this year? It's the only team in the playoffs that we didn't we, we went two and four. Now, almost every one was a one run game. We just didn't win hardly any of them. But all that was really early in the season. We, I think all those games were before the all-star break. Like we played a, we played them a lot early and got and I'm it's you know, it's not so much that the Astros are two and four against them. It's just they're they got a lot of guys in their lineup that are pretty good. Like they can hit.
5: But and Guerrero, boy, that's two beasts, Kevin. Ooh, they're both good, Kevin. You know, and that, you, that, uh, that Alejandro Kermit's had a good year, too, for him. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, I, I would be a little worried I, about I'm a little them, worried
1: but, about them, yeah, but we'll see.
5: Yeah. Hey, look, one thing I probably to let you go, I was happy to see that uh, Robins did say before the playoffs that it, they were taking Kimmel out of the total. Room. That is something that everybody in the world thinks that he, he needs to do, and he did it that gives
1: me hope that he might not be brain dead for the playoffs. Okay? <laughs> have a good weekend. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. That guy has uh, taken some heat, but they've won so many games. I mean, it's unbelievable how many games the punks have won in the last decade. And they just win. And win. They won 111 games this year. Of course, like like we just said. That does not guarantee that you're gonna, um, you know, that you're going to go to the World Series. Even does it guarantee that you're going to win the World Series? This is not football. This is baseball. It's just very different. And you, I mean, you're competing against the other team, but a lot of times you're competing against the game, and and it's just you just don't know how, how it's all about who's going to get the big hit and the big moment um of course you got to play defense and the Astros are normally above average in that area certain t- other teams are not but as far as this matchup like Cleveland and Tampa it's interesting because they played each other last week and all the games were pretty competitive the thing about Tampa is they're just – they don't score enough runs. They're not as good defensively as they used to be. So if I was a Rays fan, I'd be a little worried about that. Like, you, you can't, if you're not going to score a lot of runs, you can't give teams runs by being sloppy on defense. So they need a, they need to tighten it up on defense for sure. And they just have to figure out a way to get timely hitting, you know, and that's kind of how they live. Uh Rosarina has been really good in the postseason at time in the past. He's been really up and down this year. So is he gonna come back? I don't know. The second game today, starting at about one o'clock, is the Phillies and the Cardinals. I don't I, I just I just can't see the Phillies doing it. I again, it's baseball. Do the Phillies have guys that can knock the ball to the park? Absolutely. I mean, you know. Anybody can win it's baseball but I just it, if if this was a longer series I'd really feel confident that the Cardinals are going to win of course anybody that's in the playoffs can beat you 2 out of 3 I mean you win the first game and you got all kind of pressure on you so anything can happen but I I I just I just overall I just don't think the Phillies are as good as the other teams in in the National League we'll see how it plays out all right let's go to the game hotline hello
6: Hey Kevin, you speaking of that, you are talking about my Cardinals there. I don't feel real good about it though cuz they got uh, they got Wheeler and, and Noah, you know, at the top of the rotation which who were probably be- better almost than than anything we got.
1: What, but but you know, and their bullpen's got, you know, Robertson's at least a veteran, but end, and Dominguez done okay. I don't I just don't. They just strike out so much. I, I just, and in yeah, the we playoffs, don't have
6: real big strikeout pitchers. Uh, we got to keep the ball on the ground because they can hit it out of the park.
1: Yes, no question but, uh, there. Yeah, no question
2: there.
6: Hopefully, we got some good off-speed stuff going, <laughs> maybe because, like you say, Shriver, man, that guy, he's like feast of famine. When he's on a little streak, he'll hit. Six home runs in a week, and then the next week he'll strike out fifteen times and hard to get a hit. Yes, so you you never know what you're going to get with him.
1: They're but, not always uh, great defensively either. The Phillies,
6: no, they're not that good. You see, that's where we have a major advantage. We're very good defensively, and they're that's kind of their like Achilles' heel. They're they're weak defensively, but uh, and the other thing. The last six weeks of the season, Pujols has kind of carried the offense. We need uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt to step up because they've not done as much the last month or so of the season. And, I mean, they've got to be, a, you know, they got to be the ones to really carry the offense.
1: Well, yeah, but Goldschmidt was off to this unbelievable start. you got to pay the piper a little bit. I mean, he, he – Well, yeah, well,
6: maybe that may have been a good thing. He kind of paid the Piper in September, but let's hope he can get it back in October. Right. He doesn't – I mean, that's the big thing. And something I wanted to bring up, (laughs) you didn't really mention about Pujols getting to the 700 homers, but there's been a lot of talk about that. But the thing I wanted to have you talk about, I remember a while back you had said you were going to go into it one day like the importance of the RBI and how that's kind of gotten kind of short-changed or overlooked or whatever you want to call it, diminished or something. And to me, it's almost more impressive than getting at a 700 home run is becoming second in the history of baseball in RBI.
1: Again, I, I don't understand. I, I get most of analytics, but why does driving in a run a bad thing in analytics? I don't get that.
6: They act like kind of in analytics they want to diminish it because they act like oh it just depends on where you bat in the lineup. It's really not totally true because I've seen guys that hit right in the heart of the order the and they can't ever hardly drive in but 80 runs. I mean we well, were coming. Like, I, 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 I went. I went
1: to the. Right, I went to the to the Phillies Astro game, and we were and looking at everybody's stats, and they got guys like Schwarber. You mean he, when he has thirty eight homers or whatever, and he's got like eighty some RBIs? I mean that's terrible.
6: Yeah, well, they do bat him lead off, which I, I don't exactly understand. He does walk a lot, so I guess they're looking, saying is. But with his batting average, even though he walks a lot, I can't believe his on-base percentage is that
1: high. It's still – you still win or lose games whether you knock runs in. Well,
6: exactly. That's what I'm saying. And that's something like who else has always been a guy that will put the ball in play when there's men on base and not strike out, and he's had a knack, you know, hit the fly ball with a man on third and less than two outs and get the sack fly or whatever it is. That to me, when you think of two thousand two hundred and some odd RBIs, that's almost like mind-boggling. To think how some guys struggle to hardly drive in a hundred, and you'd have to drive in a hundred every year for twenty-two years. I mean, to me, that that to me that didn't get as much recognition as it should have gotten.
1: I uh, no, I'm I'm I've, uh, I'll uh, I, I you know again I'm fine with putting on base percentage above batting average, which a lot of old school baseball fans don't do. I I've, I'm I'm fine with that, but this diminishing uh, RBIs is the first thing I look at for for um, for in, in judging a hitter. Now to your point, not a leadoff hitter, maybe not, but right. But other than like a leadoff hitter, I, I, RBIs is, is to me the most important thing because you got to be able to drive in runs.
6: It's a shame that pandemic season cost 100 games because if it wasn't for that, he'd be up at about 2270. He'd be within, you know, 20 something of Hank Aaron for all the time. I wonder if, if that would make him want to come back with uh, a. He said, I I believe he's going to be like Breeze. He said, this was it. This is his last year. I don't think he's going to come back just to try and pass Beirut 714 or something. I think he's happy with the way everything's played out. And hopefully the kind of magical deal can help uh, continue. And they can, you know, do something in the playoffs. The last two times when they won in 06 in 2011, I didn't really think they had much of a chance to go or win the World Series. So, sometimes it happens when you don't think it's going to happen. Right. You remember 06, huh?
1: Yes. So. What did
6: you say? The only chance they have is they're wearing a uniform.
1: Right. And they won. So
6: They kept advancing. each series, you're like, oh, they have no chance to beat this team. I oh, have no chance. And they kept going and won it all. So, uh, But, no, I, I just – Wanted to bring that up about the RBI because I'm with you. To me, that that might be the most important thing because to me that's almost more important than the home run. The home run gets all the publicity, but uh, to me the RBI that that just you know game in and game out. That that to me wins you games.
1: Absolutely. All right, we'll see what happens. Cardinals um, play game two today against the Phillies. Should, should should be fun. All right, thanks for the call. All right, Kevin. The third game is the Blue Jays and the Mariners scheduled for about a three o seven start. And again, that's the game that um the series, I should say, that the Astros play the winner of, and then the Mets play the Padres. You know, I, I think I don't know, I my my gut feeling is to pick the Guardians, but I you know, every time we 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 <laughs> shortchange the Rays, they come through. I just I'm not a big flip the switch guy and I just don't like the fact that the Rays have been playing such bad baseball lately. Just and then and they obviously believe in they're gonna just flip the switch. I don't think Cleveland offense is real good. Like, if you avoid one or two hitters, you should be able to get them out. Um, I think the Cardinals are going to win the series. I think the Blue Jays are going to win the series, although I hope they don't. Um, The one that I'm really struggling with is, do you trust the Mets? Like, you know, they... They finished with the same record as the Braves. They both won 101 games. They, on paper, have the starting pitching, and they have the closer. But at times, they don't score runs either. Um, And they don't hardly ever win when DeGrom pitches. I mean, they lose a lot of games when DeGrom pitches. So I, I just... And now they're saying Degrom may not even start, so I I, I don't know about that series. It, it, you know, again, I feel pretty comfortable saying Cardinals. Feel pretty comfortable saying I think the Blue Jays are going to win because um, Seattle. Well, neither one of them are highly experienced in the postseason, but I'm I'm worried Seattle is going to be a little awestruck. We'll we we'll, we'll, we'll see how how that plays out. Um I guess I'm gonna say the Mets to win, but I don't really feel good about it. I the Padres, though, are one of those teams kinda like their old city mates, the Chargers, you just, they always seem to be their worst enemy. They always seem to mess stuff up in the end. So um I could see the Yankees playing the Guardians and I can see them playing the Rays. I, I just I don't have a good feeling. I'll wait until the last segment to make that pick for, for, for the series win. Let's do this. We'll take a timeout when we shift gears back to the Saints going into this weekend, this huge game against Seattle, and we probably should talk about it more this week, but I've been so fed up with the NFL or NASCAR, as we call on this show, and uh, it's been so hard getting over last week's cheat job that um, you know we haven't focused enough on this game, so we'll talk a little bit about it. After this timeout on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. I want to remind you if you would like to face your worst nightmares. And win free tickets to or VIP tickets to the 13th Gate Giveaway. This is what you need to do. Join the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Today, if you do, you might win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th Gate courtesy of Midnight Productions. The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Game Hotline is still open, 706 if you would like to get in, 706-0111. All right. I said Saints, Seahawks, we talk about in this segment. And the Seahawks have been very good offensively, not real good defensively so far. And the Saints really need to be able to exploit Seattle's defense. They just have to. And you know, the special teams has got to get better. It's been deplorable. Um it, it it's you know with good special teams, I think it's very possible that the Saints would be three and one right now. Very similar to Cajuns, uh, you know. We always talk about the difference between or all the similarities between the Cajuns and the and the Saints. Both of them are iffy offensive performances. The defenses have played mostly pretty well, and the special teams have been a huge disappointment. And so, um, got to get better in those areas. Got to finish drives. With touchdowns, can't play the Denver Broncos You know, can't play offense like the Broncos, where you move the ball and you can't seem to score in the red zone. Because I don't know that they're going to totally be able to shut out Seattle. Not, I don't mean zero points, but like hold them to ten points or anything. I, I it would not surprise me at all if Seattle has some success on offense. So hopefully not, but it wouldn't surprise me. I think the, the Saints are going to need to score some points. 41 and not done anything yet this season. It's time for him to say he's playing, so do something. Run hard for four quarters. And they got to get him involved in the passing game. I mean, this needs to be an offensive victory. This needs to be an offensive victory. They need to go out and win the game with the offense, which they just, you know, they they haven't shown the ability to really do that so far this year. And uh, th- it's time. You know the preseason is over or pretty close to over and you're playing a team that's not you know like they're they're not that different than some of these teams like the Lions who have just they they have they don't have a great defense. You can move the ball on them. You just have to finish drives and um, take advantage of the weapons that you have on offense and we'll see if they can do this. Now the other thing we've been doing this year is looking at the history of this matchup. Uh, uh, whatever matchup it is the Saints lead the all-time series over Seattle nine to eight because they've won three games in a row now you know over the years when Seattle wins with the exception of one or two games when Seattle wins they it's not real close they just they just physically dominate you know the Sean Alexander oh, man the Saints didn't even compete against Sean Alexander could not stop him in that era. When Sean Alexander was running in in his prime day, the Saints could not stop him. But the Saints have won three in a row. They now lead the all-time series nine to eight. So in terms of that part of it, this is a, a critical. If they can get to four straight wins, that would that would be that would be very, very, very nice. Now, um, There's a lot of wins that I really like in this series. In terms of coming up with my top three wins over Seattle, I had a hard time narrowing it down to three. On the loss side, most of the losses, they just got their their ba- brains bashed in and physically dominated. So it was kind of hard to come up with three losses that you would consider, like, extra agonizing. It's not always agonizing. The team just crushes your face. But... um. All right, so for the three wins, I'm going to go the first one, 1976. It was the first time that I remember where the Saints just crushed a team. They beat Seattle 51-27 to in the kingdom. So, look, back then the Saints didn't win many games, and they certainly didn't win many games where they, you know, put up 51 points. And so that was a lot of fun. I was 10 years old, and they went to Seattle and just demolished them 51-27. So that that win it was extra special. Number two, season opener, 1991. Seattle was still a good team, and the Saints were coming off kind of a disappointing year, but they had made the playoffs, uh, and there were some high hopes. And it's the season opener at home. Um, Bobby Aber throws a game-winning touchdown pass to Floyd Turner in the end zone. Um, you know, inside of a minute to go. I don't remember exactly how much time left, but towards the end of the game, dramatic finish. Saints win over Seattle, 27-24 in the season opener in 91. Number three, I'm going to go. There's two that I – the the last win over Seattle was kind of – it was a boring game for, you know, it was a defensive game, and the Saints defense dominating. they won. But – the two games before that were outstanding victories. The one in 16 was just like total pressure the whole game, and and Russell Wilson's thrown into the end zone on the last play of the game, and the Saints stop him and win 27, I mean 25-20. I almost picked that one, but the one I'm going to go with was the 41 game. Alvin Kamara was, com- was unbelievable in this game in 2019. Uh, the week before, the refs cheated against the Rams. Breeze got hurt in that game. And um, the Saints lost, and then they went to Seattle, and and they're playing, you know, without Breeze and Forty One Z Twenty Eight had some unbelievable plays in that game. Great, great victory! Saints hold on for a thirty-three to twenty-seven win over Seattle. So that 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 was that was fabulous. On the on the loss side. You know, I, I I understand what medicine seasons are. So that that awful playoff loss in 2010, I'll put it on here. Just you know, it was a 41-36 loss. It you know, it was it was a terrible loss, but it was understandable because it was a medicine season, and and the Saints had all their running backs hurt. The other one is the the playoff loss in in 2014 or January of 2014 to 2013 season when if superman doesn't fumble after getting the saints clock cleaned in the in the monday night football game that year actually competed as good with seattle that was their super bowl season as anybody and they lost 23-15 and it, we all i think most saints fans would have liked to have seen how that game would have played out without superman fumbling and here we go superman fumbling again but um But I'll put that one. And I really couldn't come up with a third one, so I just went with the Monday night game that would just because the Saints were really good in 2013, and they went to Monday night game and just got their hats handed to them, 34-7. to It was a nightmare game. But really, hardly none of the Saints' law. when they lose to Seattle, there's very little doubt. There's very little doubt when they lose to Seattle. Most of of Seattle's eight wins in this series were pretty sound thrashing. So that's kind of my three... Favorite wins and three most heartbreaking losses in the series. Let's go to the game hotline. No, no, okay, I thought there was. Um. So, again, crucial game. If you win this game, then the next game, be you know, I might have to crack out the T-shirt, you know, just get me to three and three if the Saints can win this game. It is um, critical, critical, critical. That they win this game, obviously. And again, it's a game where the offense needs to look well because look good because they're not playing against a good defense. Uh, Geno Smith is shocking everyone with what he's done so far. Seattle's kind of okay. I'm sure they're all feeling real proud of themselves after watching Russell Wilson give a game away last night. Um, and in, in, you know and so they're they're feeling really good about themselves right now the Seahawks and the Saints need to cut them down to size I mean they they have got to exploit a mediocre defense and we'll see if they can do that um you know, there's no re, you know, no reason to believe that Jameis is going to start, and there's no reason to believe Plastic Man is going to start. But there still should be plenty of weapons on this offense. The offense last week did some good things. The officials stopped them a few times, and um, just some goofy stuff stopped them other times. But I, I thought that the. Um, the Vikings don't have a great defense either but I thought overall the offense was pretty good last week it showed some positive signs and it's time to come together it's time to play with a sense of urgency it's just that simple you gotta play with a sense of urgency all right I'll do it for this segment we'll take a time out come back finish out today's show on this Friday going into a big Saints weekend a big LSU weekend We'll do that when we come back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. All right. I'm going to say Saints are going to win 31-23. I'm trying to stick with that. I'm trying to get that magic back, get stuck on that magic um, point total of 31. And I almost changed my mind, but I'm not. I'm going to say LSU 34-27. Tennessee's due for a turnover. And I think LSU is has been wearing out their opponents and, and being stronger in the fourth quarter. I think that could happen again. I'm going to go ahead, I don't know. A lot of times when I make predictions, it's more can I live with, what can I better live with getting wrong? And if I pick against the Rays, which I've done many times in the past, and then I said, okay, I'm going to stop picking against those people because they – they keep proving me wrong, uh, and that's why I, I, you know gonna, I picked them to win the division this year. And they they just didn't have enough offense, but they did make the playoffs. So I'm gonna pick them, but I, I just I don't feel good about the way they're playing. I do think though that they I could see their pitching staff holding the Guardians to a really low scoring game and winning three to two or two to one would not surprise me at all. So I'm gonna um, and I've already done. I'm I'm gonna go with the Mets, but. The Mets are just—I don't know—picking them to win is is a is a iffy proposition. But the Padres are one of those teams that kind of can't get out of their own way as well. So, be interesting to see four playoff games today and tomorrow, and we'll see how, if how many one and ones or or the series may be over. How many are going to be playing on Sunday? So. If you're a baseball fan and a football fan, it should be a really, really fun weekend. And then obviously we've already gone down all the high school games, and uh, Cajuns don't play till Wednesday, so you get a little bit of a break uh, for the Cajuns. And and we talked to Tom in Lake Charles, and McNeese doesn't play this week. They got a week off. So um, a couple of the fans, that you know, fan bases that listen to the show uh, get a little bit of a breather this weekend. Maybe you could focus – if you're a baseball fan focus on baseball or if you're a Saints fan as well you know be on pins and needles like me going on, playing against Seattle as the Saints try to make it four straight wins over the Seahawks that would be um that, that 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 would certainly be very nice all right baseball football weekend y'all try to enjoy it and have a nice safe weekend